Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 14 through 16. The title of the message is Beacons to the World. Beacons to the World. Jesus is speaking and he says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. Who is in heaven. Lord, help us as we study your word. Two things in this passage about which I want to talk to you. One, who we are, and then how are we to be used. Jesus was doing some definition with the disciples here. This is the famous Sermon on the Mount, and he's just begun it. He goes for about three, three or four chapters, depending upon which book you're reading. And he's, he's resetting the paradigm about how they ought to think, how they ought to view themselves, and what ministry looks like, service to the community looks like. And the disciples really aren't getting it. They're looking at Jesus as being the Messiah, but their version of the Messiah is very different than the one that Jesus has in his own mind. Their version of the Messiah is, is a king who is supposed to come and take up a throne on the planet, unseat the people who happen to be ruling over the Jews in an, in an ungodly way, and set up this kingdom in the manner of Solomon, in kind of that type, that is supposed to have no end to its increase, and its expansion is supposed to cover the entire earth. No end to its time period in, in terms of rain. They're looking for him to do that. And so they've left all that they know to be true in order to be a part of his administration. They're looking to be cabinet members. Somebody over secretary of the defense, somebody's secretary of state, somebody's over housing and urban development. That's what they are looking for. And he starts off kind of reshaping their brains by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, these men have never heard the word blessed and the word poor in the same sentence. They've only heard blessed... <laughs> are those who have abundance, rich. Wait, 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 blessed are poor. I don't know anybody who's poor about anything that's blessed. They always want to be in a different state than poor. And they feel like they aren't blessed when they are in the poor state. What are you saying, Jesus? Blessed are those who are peacemakers. For theirs, they, they should be called sons of God. Uh, wait, 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 wait. We're here to make war. We want to we go against Rome. We'd like to kick out Herod, too. If you could train us with the sword, that would be very helpful. But I don't know about this peacemaking. That's not what we're here for. That's not what you're here for. Their minds are being shifted. Blessed are the, are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meek? No, no, blessed are the strong, bro. Strong? I mean, we need some power to overthrow. What are you talking about? blowing their minds. But he's trying to help them understand if you don't get this, the foundation, the foundation that I'm trying to give you, you won't get anything else I'm going to give you. You got to get this. I'm changing the way you think about life. But what they were looking for is him to stamp their idea about what leadership ought to be. And then he gets to 
Matthew 5, 13 and 14. Blessed are you because you are the salt of the earth. You've got to be people that stop corruption wherever it is found because salt was a preserving agent. Wherever it is, you've got to be those that say no more. I am the barrier to your progress. They, they didn't think that they were just supposed to be people who helped society get healthy. They thought they were supposed to overthrow the bad part and insert the good part if by force of will. They, they, they thought that was a good idea. If it required that kind of effort to make that kind of change, good. But not the, the, the passive sense that salt brings to the environment in order to preserve something that might be corrupt otherwise. It's not near as forceful. It's more osmotic. Salt is that what you put on a meat so that it doesn't spoil anymore. And you've got to make sure that the salt is all over the meat so none of it spoils. And we are called to be that kind of preserving agent to every corrupt environment that we find. It makes it uncomfortable for your friendships. It makes it uncomfortable for your workplace. Because you now have to be the, the, the stop sign for things that should not happen. It doesn't mean you are caustic. It doesn't mean that you have to now be mean about it. It does mean that you have to be vocal about it. If you are salt. If you are not salt, it, it, I'll say it this way. If your salt has lost its saltiness, its inability to savor any more the meat that would otherwise become corrupted, then you're not good for anything except to be thrown out into the street and trampled underfoot by many, says. Well, when salt has lost its ability to savor that for which it is, uh, it, it, it is applied... It still has some benefit. What do we use in order to make sure that our sidewalks are clear now? Can't put it on, the, on, on your food, but you can throw it on the sidewalk. And when you do that, it sure does help other people not slip. When salt has lost its saltiness, you're still good for some. Samson wasn't very salty. We don't have one prayer Samson prayed. I'll take that back. Kind of a complaint, not so much a prayer. He says to God after he vanquished, a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey, Lord, are you going to leave me here to die? I'm thirsty. Give me something. Not much of a prayer. And God shows him a, a well and he drinks. At the end of his life, he says, Lord, one more time, give me strength that I might avenge the Philistines for what they did to my eyes. I guess you could call that a prayer. He prayed to commit suicide and kill a lot of people in the process. I guess, but we wouldn't call those things like worshipful prayers. Conversation, but not the kind of conversation that's exemplary. We don't have them sacrificing to God. We don't, we don't see him obeying God once. Not once. And his death was tragic. I don't want to go out like that. He lost his saltiness. He had an opportunity to obey. But he chose another path. Yet, he helps me not slip. 
I said, I don't want to do that right there. I'm not doing that. I'm not. Do I see what happens to people who do that. I'm not doing that. My feet don't go out from under me because of him. You're going to be a witness one way or the other. Either you're going to do right, nobody say, woo, follow him. Or you're going to do wrong and say, woo, don't follow them. <laughs> I don't want to lose my saltiness. I don't want to be used for anything else other than that for which God has called me. And then you get to the light of the world. Like, wow, you are the light of the world. Do you know darkness has no Darkness has, has no foundation of, that, that, that biblically says it was created. It just was there. Now, I don't know what that means. I'm just letting you know what the Bible has to say. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. It was just there. And then he said what? Light be. And light was. So when God says you are the light of the world, he's trying to communicate in the same manner he did in, in Genesis chapter 1 that we are those who are to take what is natural in the world and, and, and change it. The darkness just happens to be here. And it's been amplified by the enemy's function and even more amplified by people's disobedience. And so it takes a little bit more intensity in the light of the folks who actually have it to dispel it. But to spell it, we can and we should. We are called to be the light of the world. There is no other light in the world than you, than Christians. There doesn't exist other light. We are it. And if light does not shine in the places where you are, that you experience darkness, then it's not going to be shine. It's not going to illuminate. People are not going to know him. They're only going to know the atmosphere that has been theirs for the longest, that which, to which they have become comfortable. And we are the people that are supposed to show them a different way. We are the light of the world. It's not just something we do. It's something we are. You shouldn't have to figure out, okay, is now a time for me to shine? What, when isn't it time for you to shine? If you are, it's not just what you do, it's who you are. Amen. All the time you spoke, you shouldn't have to make a redecision. That's what you are. And you should shine when it seems most like you shouldn't. Dark environments are those you need to look for. They're every place. So you really don't have to look hard. But you need to look for them. Because to shine in here, I mean, when people see you, you who kind of are half-masked worshipers, yeah. what I mean is when you lift your hands, you kind of do it in secret. <laughs> you don't want nobody to see you way up here. You're just, you're just down here a little bit. You just... You don't want to sing too loud? I get it. I'm not mad at you. But you who are that, you rarely do anything out there because you don't want anybody to see you in here when people who love you and identify with what you're trying to do and worship God, you don't even want them to see you in here do that. But 
hear me. If this is your best version of shining your light in here, what does a flashlight do at noon? What good is it at noon? <laughs> Go ahead, shine it. So? Oh, that's not to mean that you don't have impact here. Please, let your light, he does say, in the house. In the house. So there are places that people ought to serve in the house in such a way that others are benefited by the light that you shine. And so it's not all, it's not all noon in the house all the time. If you haven't noticed, there are sinners in here. And you're one of them. There are problems in church. There are. The, the difference between church and non-church is that we deal with them according to the Bible and we, we require people to repent when they do wrong. And then those who've been offended, we require them to forgive. And things get fixed like that. They don't get fixed like that out there. That's a safety that's in the house. And so when you, when you find difficulty here, dark spots in the house, you need to be a light that says, you know, God has an answer to that. Let me show you the light of scripture and what you need to do to fix this. It's going to require that you sacrifice. It's going to be very uncomfortable. But you're going to be a light to somebody else. So your light does need to shine. But generally speaking, you don't put a flashlight on in midday because it doesn't help. What are flashlights for? You're made for darkness. Amen, Pastor Brett. That was a really good point. I like that one. That was a good point. You are made for darkness. You are made for the discomfort that, that makes you queasy on the inside, that makes you say, okay, that's not good. What needs, where is Pastor Brett right now? Something needs to be done. I don't know any, but that's not good. I don't know what to say. You are made for the environment. And though you may not know how to respond best, that's what the church is for, is to equip you to respond best. So you get in here and you get trained. You come to Pastor Corey's teaching on, and lessons on what it means to be an evangelist. Even if you're not one, at least you learn how to be one. You develop the skills to be a light in the midst of darkness. Because that's what you are. And we teach you how to be it. Secondly, he says you're a city set on a hill. So... It's not just that there are a bunch of flashlights together. God wants to elevate your prominence. He wants to put you on a platform so people can see what you look like. It's no, there's no question about where they need to go when they need to find help. It's you. It's you. It's interesting he says city here. Cities during the Roman Empire were made pretty popular. Most of the world was agrarian and rural. There weren't there were cities, but they weren't the most favored places to be. A man named J.W. Hansen wrote a book called The Urban Geography of the Roman Empire from 100 B.C. to 300 A.D. And that Rome was unusual in that they developed some sanitation systems and some water irrigation systems that made cities much more likable. Now... 14 million people lived in the cities, we believe now. 14 million lived in the cities that were in the Roman Empire. But there were 60 million in the Roman Empire. And so about 20 to 30 percent of the people lived in cities, which was the most that had ever lived in cities in an entire civilization in all of mankind. 
can't find another civilization that had more people living in cities than in the Roman Empire. And when the Roman Empire fell, the civilizations that, that enjoyed uh, the civilization that enjoyed urban environments began to disintegrate. And we don't see more of that until in Europe until the 19th century. So it took a long time for people to redevelop around cities. Cities are those which provide goods and services to others that are more easily accessed, and that's why cities are created. We can do this together faster. We can do this, do this together with more than we could individually. But the problem was with cities in ancient times was that their sanitation was not as good as it should be. And so in most Roman cities, uh, the, the death rate exceeded the birth rate. So the only way they grew was by immigration. There were disease, and when it, when it caught, it caught everybody. People died. Uh, you also had men that worked very difficult jobs in cities, laborers, and they would get an infection from a cut. The, 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 life, ex, ex, uh, the life expectancy for man was, if you made it to 50, you were an old guy. And for a woman, if you made it to 40, you were really, really special. Why? Because many women died in childbirth. Cities were not your favorite place to live. But Rome made them more special than any other time period. And Jesus leverages that moment and said, I'm making you a city. A place where goods and services can be accessed more easily. Where parents can find out how to be good at what they do. Where husbands can find out how to be really faithful and loving to their wives. Where lives, wives can find out how to love their husbands even though they don't like them very much. Where employees can find out how to be excellent employees to their supervisors that don't like them very much. They can access goods and services here in ways that they can in other places. And I'm going to place you as a city on a hill so everybody knows where they ought to come when they need help. God wants to elevate your position. Our position. So that we can be seen better by the world. Now that recognition should not at least from your perspective, need to come with some kind of acclamation. We're not looking for anybody to pat us on the back for what we do. I cannot tell you how much I do not care about getting credit for anything. I am so happy when it just happens good. I don't need anybody to pat me on the back. And there are so many things that I might initiate that other people finish and they forgot about me. I said, I don't care. As long as people were blessed and God was glorified, I'm good. And if, if we all have that attitude, the elevation of our status, the place where we are, will never be one that is competing with acclamation and approval. All we want is for people to be seen by God, to be helped by God, and to be called by God. We want them to be supported by We want them to come into all the reality that we know. And if we ever... Get any kind of credit for it. We deflect it all to the Father. If we get none, we don't care. That's the way we live. So our elevation does not have to come with any kind of approval. He just wants people to see what his kingdom looks like on earth. A city set on a hill. And then he says, <clears throat> how? Well, when you're lit... When you're lit, you do not place the thing that, 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 that is given illumination under a basket. You don't do. Why would you do that? 
considering the fact that you lit it in order to give illumination to that which was dark, why in the world would you not put it under something? That doesn't make any sense. But instead, you put it on a lampstand. You give it prominence. You make, it, make a pedestal just for it. And let me tell you, if you are a really good shiner, if you will let your light be that which illumines other people's darkness on a regular basis, God will provide for you a platform. He'll give you more prominence because so many people are living in darkness and there are so few people who are shedding light. Christians are, are, are scared to do it. Well, I might lose my friendship. I don't know how. I, 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 it, 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 what, what if I say it wrong? So, so at least say it. Say so. Listen, God, God, God is very patient. He's very patient. He's patient to, 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 to wait for you to grow up. But he doesn't want you to do nothing until you do. Amen. He wants you to grow up with the catalyst of failure sometimes so that you learn what not to do next time. I made, I've made so many more mistakes than I've had successes. So many more. I lament over that which I've done wrong regularly. I say, God, what, how could you use? What was I thinking? That was so dumb. I don't know how I was thinking that was right. That was stupid. <laughs> but here I sit. And it's amazing how he, he mercifully just cleans those slate. And somehow he makes you appear as if you're all right. When I know how wrong I am, it's stunning. But you got to live long enough for him to be able to fix you so that you do a lot right that you didn't, that you used to do all wrong. And more people can benefit. I remember I went home after I got saved, March of 1981. I got saved like four days before spring break. And I went home and I began to preach to my mama. <laughs> Can I tell you how well that didn't go? Because <laughs> I was on fire. I mean, I was on fire. And I was burning everything up. <laughs> everything. And my mother just looked at me. And she said, you know, I'm the one who took you to church. Yeah, but mama, you're not, you're, I, and it was, I, she knew what I wasn't saying, that she wasn't right with God. And if I said that, I would have had to look for my glasses across the room. <laughs> so I knew what not to say. I wasn't stupid, but I wasn't saying the right thing. And, and she was not happy with me. I came back to school after spring break, talked to my pastor. I said, it just didn't work. I mean, my whole family hates me now. I said, what? I thought I was supposed to, you know. I said, well, what did you do? I told them they all needed to repent. <laughs> yeah, I can see. Okay. Listen, when you go home for the summer, go to the closet, pick up the vacuum, and begin to serve. Make sure after dinner you do the dishes. I said, for what? <laughs> How is that preaching the gospel? What? I don't get it. They said, serve your mama. I said, oh, oh. Oh, okay. Went home. First time in my life, I did the dishes without her asking. She said, what are you doing? <laughs> so I'm just trying to help you, mama. 
What church you going to? God will give you a pedestal from which you can better communicate if you just begin. Even if it might not be right, he is patient with you if you just begin. End of story, mama got right, daddy got right, brother and sister got right, grandpa got right. Sister-in-law, brother-in-law got right. Nieces, nephews got right. Let your light shine. He'll give you a platform where people will respect. And this is what he's talking about. Let your light shine in such a way. There's a way you can do it that's wrong. Oh, you did it. Yeah. But the goal is to do it in such a way that men are benefited and God is glorified. Some people don't, don't shine their light in such a way that men are benefited and God is making mad and God says, eh, oh, good try. There's not much glory he gets from it. We have to learn the in such a way. When we do that, all of a sudden, things happen catalytically. I mean, it, it's, it's like the accelerator gets pushed and you progress and everybody else with you. You are the light of the world. If you do not shine Jesus to other people, if you don't reveal him and what he has done in your life, and this is why you need to read your Bible. So you can realize the things that people need to turn to other than you after, after they leave your presence. You can give them passages of scripture and say, read this, read this, read this, read this. You need to read your Bible every day. Secondly, you need to read it so that you can be, be filled with the information that comes from the New Testament and the Old about what it means to be called to do this other than just Pastor Brett telling you. The sense that other people that were just like you trying to figure out what to do and how to do it and why to do it found their place in God, and they may not have even been full-time ministers. In fact, most of the Old Testament in the, in, the, in the Pentateuch, the first five books, they aren't ministers. Abraham, not a minister. Noah, not a minister. Jacob, not a minister. These are just guys, just human beings. And God brought his promise through people that weren't even ordained. They were you, not me. Not to, mean, not, to mean, not, not to mean that God can't use somebody like me, obviously. But my point is, he can use you. Be a light. Be what you are called to be. And then let God use you in such a way that people are benefited. And God is glorified. As I end, I was talking to some people in between services about what God has done. And they're young ministers. And they're coming up, and they're having to sacrifice a lot. Their parents had different dreams for them. They sent them to college. They got their degree, and now they're going into campus ministry. They're going into pastoral ministry. They're doing all kinds of stuff that their parents didn't think about. And their parents are thinking, I paid for this, and I get this. Are you kidding me? What are you doing with the education I gave you? And God called them. It's a lot like Elisha. Elijah was told by God, go find Elisha, who is the son of Shaphat, and put your anointing on him to do ministry. And Elisha happened to be plowing with the 12th pair of oxen in his daddy's field, son of Shaphat. Shaphat was his daddy. 
There's no question that this young man was called to inherit something from his father. He was working in his daddy's business. Elijah comes up, puts his mantle on him, and keeps running. Elisha says, oh, that's that dude. That's that dude that said it wasn't going to rain like three years. Ooh, and he came and put his stuff up. Oh, I know it. Uh-oh. <laughs> Elisha says, can you give me a minute with daddy? Because this is going to be hard to hear. Elijah says, what have I done to you? If you're called, you'll come. And you won't stay after the conversation with daddy. But if God has done something, you'll come with me. Did I say that right? Sorry. If I called you, then you'll stay. If God has, you'll come with me. What have I done? This is God's doing. He goes back and has whatever conversation with daddy. We don't have it recorded. All we know is Elisha turns down whatever he had with daddy as an inheritance and winds up as Elijah is beginning to leave and go, saying, I'm not leaving you until you give me what I want. He says, what do you want from me? I want a double portion. Now, double portion was son language to daddy. He's saying, I left my daddy. He had a double portion for me. Elisha was probably firstborn, which meant you got double the inheritance that the kids, other kids got. Not because you were favored more, but because you had the responsibility to care for the father and the mother in their aged years, and you got your inheritance. So you're supposed to use part of that money to make sure you carried on father's business, not just yours. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Elisha said, I gave up all that to follow you, and I am not leaving you until I get what's coming to me. I'm your firstborn. Even though you don't have one, you adopted me as your ministerial peer. I'm yours. Give it to me. And he got it. I am, as I was speaking with these ministers, young people coming up, I said, I know it's hard to sacrifice. I know what you got to give up. But be patient and stay on the path. Because Jesus said, no one who's, who said bye to mom and dad, brother, sister, farm, home, anything, will fail to receive a hundred times more in this life and eternal life to come. If you let your light shine right, I don't know if I, I know I did it wrong a lot, but I kept working it to where I could get it as well as I could do it. Mama, daddy, brother, sister, nieces, nephews, grandpa, grandma, my children, church, extended every nation family of churches. I have more than a hundred times more in this life. I have more. I never thought I'd be here. And the only thing that you can attribute to my life that might it might be laudable is that I didn't quit. I just didn't quit. If you keep shining your light, God will make a platform for you to be effective and he will bless your life in return. He'll bless your life in return. And please understand this as I stop talking. I was shining my light before anybody paid me to do so. The only reason I'm in this position is because I shined my light to such a degree. They said, if we don't hire this guy, we're stupid. 
And then their version of hiring was that, let's have him go raise his own support. <laughs> That's how I started. God, I'm asking for your grace upon everybody here. That you would help us to become what we are supposed to be. Lights to the world. And help us to shine our light in such a way.